Hello Blazers, welcome to a bonus episode of UAB Green and Told, original air date Monday, July 13th, 2020. Through this podcast, we sit down with members of the UAB family to share their stories. I'm Greg Berry, Assistant Director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. On this episode, we welcome Sister Linda Hill, a Consolata missionary sister in Vernaria Real, Italy. There, she serves as an educator, counselor, and administrator. Sister Linda's journey is fascinating, and as she'll share, her faith led her to become who she is today, one that is devoutly Catholic. I was at the beach, Lake Michigan, and I said, Lord, let me know what you want, because me, I don't know for sure. As a consolata missionary sister, Linda has been around the world and seen a lot of things. That includes a firsthand look in Northern Italy at the COVID-19 pandemic, one of the hardest hit regions in the world. We are afraid. There is, there's still a lot of fear, which is fine. It helps be cautious. But as she will reveal, Sister Linda has been met with challenges along the way. I've had malaria twice. I've had uh, typhoid once. And uh, I was diagnosed in Kenya with lupus. Linda Hill grew up about an hour from Lake Michigan in Grand Rapids. Linda swam, rode bike, and played tennis, but she also found herself interested in the plants and animals in the woods behind her family's house. She'll tell you that she was a normal kid, but now the sister of five siblings is known as Sister Linda, and her accent has strayed far from her Western Michigan upbringing. The accent is five years in Italy, so talking Italian. 27 years in Kenya where the English is really the British English. So it's a mixture of, of, of accents. <laughs> Plus I studied in Alabama. <laughs> How does a teenage kid from Michigan get drawn to Alabama and UAB? <laughs> it was simple because by then I was already a sister when I started nursing. We have a community of sisters in Birmingham, Alabama. I started looking into nursing schools when I heard that uh, UAB was one of the most famous uh, nursing and medical schools. I said, yeah, let's go. Let's go to Birmingham. Even though I'm a Yankee, <laughs> let's go to the South. <laughs> when were you called? I started university in L- as it's in the CV. I did two. I did uh, biology at Aquinas uh, University. I mean, a college in Grand Rapids, and uh, I was studying biology with the idea of to be a doctor. Was the idea? I really enjoyed medicine and uh, fine. So I said, I do my pre-med at Aquinas, and then we'll see where. And, then in the meantime, after two years of Aquinas, I was at the beach, Lake Michigan, and I said, Lord, let me know what you want. Because me, I don't know for sure. I have the boyfriend. I have this, you know, plans to be a doctor. And what do you want? <laughs> I went walking, you know, Michigan, there's only seven days in the whole year that the full sun yep. and the seven. So I, I went walking on the beach 
far from my friends and it started to rain, which was not so unusual for Michigan. So anyway, I came back to where my friends were. They were dry. I mean, they, it had not rained there where they were. To this day, they are convinced that I went swimming because I was wet completely. At that moment, I realized that that was a sign from the Lord because I had been discussing with the Lord <laughs> to say, give me some kind of sign. What do you want? Do you want me to be a sister or not? And it started to rain. Was it just instant? This is what I'm yeah. going to do? Or did you have kind of a push and pull with the decision? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure, push and pull for, for a while. The boyfriend was not very pleased with the idea, but he said, who can argue with God? <laughs> so, so he said, if I have to lose you to God, I guess it's not so bad. <laughs> so anyways, he's a great guy and I still know him and he's married with seven children and I really don't see myself as the mother of seven children. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. So in the late 70s is when you, you got the call. At what point within all of that, because you already had the interest in, in medicine, at what point yeah. did you go, all right, I think nursing is probably where I'm really being called? They said, you were studying medicine before. You want to continue or no? And, uh, and I said, no, I, I could not handle being a doctor and do it well and be a sister. For me, being a sister is more important than medicine. So I go for not, not like a second choice, but a choice that went together with being a sister. What was it like at UAB? Because I'm going to go out on a limb. There it's weren't a lot funny. of people like you. No, in fact, I was the first, I think. <laughs> or, or ever. I don't know. But uh, the very first month that I was there, there was a question about the habit. They said, but how can you wear it when, you go, when, we go, when we start doing the practical nursing in the hospitals and they want, and the, in those days they were still wearing the capes. I said, I'll wear the apron. The apron that had UAB to, they said, you have to be known as a student, not as a sister. And I said, yeah, that's fine. No problem, I agree. You've been in some very remote places. <laughs> yes. How difficult is it to practice medicine and help the people in those areas to get healthier? A lot of it has to do with also prevention. Like, for example, I survived, as we joke, through a, a cholera epidemic. And we were three nurses with 90 people affected with cholera. <laughs> and four beds. So we had people in tents under on the cement sidewalk, all attached to the wall, the IV infusions. <laughs> it was unique. So for one month, we were running IV infusions night and day with the help of the people themselves. But in one month we managed, I had only three people died. Of those three, one was a child who had heart disease already. Um, a young man who came at the very last minute. He had been sick already for a week or so. And he came too late, let's say. 
and one mother that probably maybe we could have done more than what we did but and nursing how do you do nursing in such a remote places you do everything you can do everything that you know and everything that you can because you might know what to do but you can't do it because you don't have the material to do it so if you do everything that you can and everything that you know what to do the lord takes care of the rest in those situations and i can really say that i have seen miracles i mean really the lord took over if it wasn't the person's hour to die they didn't die even if we didn't have everything that they needed to get well they managed to to survive and in fact we have we have seen the healthcare of these areas improve a lot just with the presence of our simple <laughs> simple this they call them dispensary it would be a health center med center without a doctor but a med center where you do everything from giving aspirin to minor uh, surgeries with with the general anesthesia i mean with the local anesthesia i have stitched almost everything that you can imagine <laughs> you've been exposed to a lot of different ailments a lot of different diseases mm -hmm. are you ever worried about your safety no because uh, the i have seen too much like now with the uh, covid I am in a house with 35 sisters and 22 of us were positive. We lost one, but the others now are all negative and we're fine. So, and they're all 75 and above, except for me and one other. So we are two below 70 <laughs> years old. So the, we have a hundred year old that lives in the house. She was also positive. She's fine today. So I have seen a lot and the, the Lord takes care. You do everything you can and everything you know what to do. And he does all the rest. He's I'm just an instrument in his hand. That's all. Nothing else. So you're okay. in Gruliasco, Italy. Yes. And yes. that region was really hard hit yes. with the, the COVID-19 coronavirus. Right. As a first-hand witness of what was happening, what was it like mm -hmm. in that region? We're afraid. People are afraid to go out of the house. In fact, you can still see, I mean, we're still running around with masks, but in the house, we are still wearing them among us, and we're all negative. But, we're, you know, I go out, I take people to the doctor, or I go, there are, some of us go to the post office and whatever, but we are afraid. There is, there's still a lot of fear, which is fine. It helps be cautious because it's, the COVID is still around. It's still here in Italy and uh, we have to be careful. Hospitals are still closed, closed in the fact that they do only emergencies. There's no normal activity of the hospitals going on. Only emergencies. So you, you stand in line at the hospital and in order to enter, you have to, uh, they measure the temperature. If it's above uh, 35, 36, they, they don't let you enter. 
<laughs> if you're above 36 degrees centigrade, no, stay home, go home. So people are afraid. They make you sanitize your hands before you enter. Masks are obligatory. And uh, anywhere you go, out of for a long time, until last, uh, at the beginning of uh, June, the police were on the streets and they would stop anybody that they felt they should stop asking, where are you going and why? And if you didn't have a good enough reason and proof of it, <laughs> they would send you home. And the next day, if they caught you more than once, the same person, then they, they would even give you a fine for being out because they said, no, there's no need to be running around looking for trouble. Now it's more, we can travel, we can go around from, from one, even from one region of Italy to another. But before, highways were closed. Forget about traveling. Hmm. Even public means, nothing. For all of May and uh, April and May, it was really bad. Yeah. Now it's, it's getting better. And it's been how long? And it's just finally getting better. Because <laughs> we joke that the Italians are, they, before they are convinced of something, it took them a while to get convinced that there was a problem. So, <laughs> no, now they're convinced, surely. But no, the Italian sisters are the first one to say, yes, we are stubborn to understand the problem, right? It will happen to somebody else, but not to me. <laughs> and for you, it hasn't happened. You haven't gotten no, I have not had. I have not had any symptoms. Nothing. Zero. Hey, at least, <laughs> at least one in the house. Throughout all of the time that you hey. have been a member of the sisterhood, how many times have you gotten sick? I've had malaria twice. I've had uh, typhoid once, and uh, I was diagnosed in Kenya with lupus. In fact, I was diagnosed by a doctor at UAB. Uh, when I started having symptoms in Kenya, uh, the first thing that they do with us who are not Kenyans is send you home. So I went, I called the Pat uh, Cleveland and uh, Judy Taylor, two professors of UAB. So I called them and I said, do you have any specialists there at UAB for rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, whatever? And uh, they said, sure, 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 sure. And so they organized this uh, meeting and this uh, appointment. So I flew home to Michigan first and then I came down to Alabama and I went to this doctor and he, the doctor of Kenya had sent everything by fax, all my documents to him before. And so when I entered, he says, he had already looked at all my documents. He said, sister, you didn't need to come 4,000 miles to, to, for me to tell you what in Kenya they already told you. But it was him who, at least the, there's where I started the azathioprine, the, the medicine that I'm still taking, and this is in 1999, 
when I was diagnosed. So I'm fine. Do you have any regrets through the course of your life? No, really. You know, when you go home and you would see the brothers and sisters who got married and had kids and, and, uh, but they, they all support me so much. So I don't really even have regrets that I missed a lot of their happenings, you know, things happening in the family. And the most important things I went home for. That's sister Linda Hill. She earned her Bachelor of Science from the School of Nursing at UAB in 1988. Sister Linda has a well-traveled story. It's one that gives her a unique idea of what it means to be a blazer. To be a blazer for me means to, to go and joke with the word to blaze where you are. So bring the sun and the heat, the warmth, of Alabama and to bring happiness and to bring health where you go. So if it's Kenya or if it's Italy or if it's Belmont, Michigan or Grand Rapids or Birmingham, wherever, just just bring, just be blazing <laughs> wherever you are. So yeah, to be, to be a, a UAB graduate, I really have to appreciate, I mean, I really have to thank all those who have taught me because really based on what I learned at UAB, I tell you it really helped me in the most remote places. You can check out other episodes of this podcast at alumni.uab.edu slash greenandtold or on Spotify, iTunes, and Stitcher. Our audience continues to grow and you can help. Leave a rating and written review of the podcast wherever you listen in. Know someone with a great story? Let us know. Email greenandtold at uab.edu. And as always, you can check out what's going on by following us on social media. We can be found at UAB Alumni on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and until next time, go Blazers.